Hello, friends. Welcome to the Christ and Coffee podcast, bringing the church together one coffee hour conversation at a time. Today, we're continuing our series through the crash course through the entire Bible. And we are in an important, obscure, small book in the Old Testament called Ruth. Uh, Most of the conversations we've had have covered many chapters. Today, we're only covering four chapters. It's a small book about a lady named Ruth. So Jeremy, let me ask you this question. Why is this in the Bible? Yeah, that's a good question. I think on one level, it's in the Bible because Ruth ends up being related to David. And uh, so David will become an important character in the next book, Samuel, and basically in the rest of the Bible pretty soon, he's going to be like the hero of the Old Testament, basically. Um, and so Ruth is distantly related to, uh, David and David's family. Uh, interestingly, she's not an Israelite. She is a Moabite, which is kind of strange. Uh, you would expect, uh, a story of, um, a heroic strong woman to be an Israelite in the old Testament and surprise, surprise, it's not. Uh, it's a Moabite who actually in other parts of the Bible are enemies of Israel. Yeah. So uh, that's a that's a curveball, I'd, I'd guess. Yeah, absolutely. And to think that the king, the like mm-hmm. the hero of of the Israelite kingdom, grandmother is a Moabite is kind of wild to think about. Yeah. It's yeah, like, and what's even more wild to think about is she only gets mentioned one more time in the Bible after this, and it ends up in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah King, who is uh, David's, you know, great, 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 great grandson. So there you go. Jesus had Moabite lineage in him. Uh, yeah, and uh, this story ultimately is like a hope for those who are experiencing extreme poverty. Um, yeah. And it's also cool that the Bible has a woman hero who's poor as That's part right. of canon. Um, That's right. Because, I mean, just that whole idea of God cares for the poor, God cares for those who are struggling. James, the book of James talks about pure religions taking care of widows and orphans. And this book doesn't really have a lot of language or spiritual language of God in it. There's only one reference to like God, really. Uh, the rest is just a, this story of a redemptive arc for s- two women who experience extreme poverty, and that's being uh, Ruth and Naomi. So mm-hmm. the story opens up with uh, a mother losing two of her sons who marry Moabite women. The, the two Moabite women become uh, widows, and Ruth decides to stay with this woman named Naomi, and she says the thesis of the book, your God will be my God, uh, where you go, I will go. Um, this is kind of the only declaration you hear of a spiritual sense. The rest is just a story of redemption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Ruth makes this conversion, joins Naomi. They go back to the land and they are dirt poor, mm-hmm. like poor, poor, poorer than poor. And uh, where does the story take off from there? Well, yeah, from there, uh, so Naomi and Ruth, they have come back to, so just step back for a minute. They left Bethlehem in Israelite territory to go to Moabite territory at the beginning of the story. 
And that's where Naomi, Ruth, and Orpha, the women, ended up losing all the male patriarchs of the family. So they're kind of devastated out there in Moabite territory. And then uh, Ruth and Naomi say, let's go back to Bethlehem because we hear there's food back there again. So the reason they left was because of famine. Yeah. Right, right. So they return back to Bethlehem uh, in hopes of finding food, basically, and some way to, to move forward. So when they return back to Bethlehem, they end up finding uh, land where surprisingly it ends up being a relative of Naomi's um, husband who is deceased. And they end up uh, sending Ruth out to glean food from the territory and get enough food for her to um, sustain themselves. Um, What's interesting about the book is that sometimes it reads like uh, an Armenian conversation around uh, our pedigree. Like they sit around and start talking about like, oh, so-and-so is related to so-and-so. And if if you go see so-and-so, that so-and-so might connect you to another so-and-so. And then you might be able to have some sort of network connection. Yeah, or so, here. Naomi is the, the matchmaker here. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of relying on family ties and family connections. And so uh, Naomi sends Ruth out to glean the fields. She catches the attention of this guy named Boaz, who is the relative of uh, Naomi's deceased husband. And little by little, the story develops. I want everybody to kind of read the story for themselves, but the story develops where Boaz ends up um, taking a liking to Ruth and then marries Ruth. And because she's attached now to Boaz, Naomi and Ruth are both redeemed and kind of given a new life with um, Boaz and they have a future now, um, which is sort of evidenced in um, Ruth having a child and then at the end of the story, they trace the child's lineage down to eventually David. So there's one commentary that put it this way that Ruth as a whole, the narrative, the story, the plot goes from emptiness to fullness. So they go out to Moabite territory to find fullness. They end up emptying everything. They lose their home, their husbands, their food. They come back and they are, um, by the grace of God and the goodness of others, they are given fullness and they're redeemed from their emptiness. So that's kind of the story's trajectory. Yeah, to put it in perspective, it's like someone who is homeless, uh, who has been widowed, who's been picking cans off the street to make ends meet, all of a sudden gets out of the poverty, finds someone, is able to start life a brand new, and like their grandchild becomes president. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the story. There you go. That's yeah. a great way to frame it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple of interesting things throughout the book. I mean, we can pick out some of them. Um, I guess one of the things that's uh, kind of unique to the text is, like you said, God doesn't show up. Um, God's name is referenced once, um, but God doesn't speak. God doesn't do anything. God doesn't say anything. It's just a story and people talk about God. Um, so what is interesting is the book itself, um, God is manifest through the character of the, of the like members of the story. So Boaz allowing Ruth to glean the fields is a embodiment of God's desire in like Deuteronomy for systems to be in place for the poor. 
So Boaz is embodying faithfulness to God and faithfulness to the Torah by allowing Ruth to glean the fields. It's like a social welfare for those who don't have anything. And, and that's how God is working <laughs> through the character of an individual. And so there is a sort of deep theological message throughout Ruth that, that the character of the people who embody God, even in, an, even in a Moabite who's not an Israelite, who's not a part of the covenant, the character uh, of those individuals who are faithful to God or who exemplify God um, is a sort of redemptive movement in the world. It, it takes shape in the world. Yeah, so like I think that's an important point because they're Boaz. Some they're, they're people who follow the law, right? right? So like even people who may not be the most spiritual in their dialogue or use a lot of religious language, the fact that they're being obedient to the commands is a testimony to God in of itself. Right. And I think we lose sight of that a lot. Mm. Um, it's more important to do what the law is versus just know the law. Like Jesus talks about this in the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Like just because you know the law doesn't mean you're building on a healthy foundation. Mm. But if you put into practice what I preach, then you're actually going to live a life of a testimony. Mm. And I think testimony is always my favorite form of uh, proclamation at the end of the mm. day. Like uh, John Wesley always says an ounce of uh, testimony an ounce of theology is not worth a ton of from testimony like mm -hmm. testimony at the end of the day is more valuable because it's like proven to reflect god's glory and mm. i love testimony and uh <laughs> the more testimony there is it should back up why certain rules and systems are in place and you get that here it's a really good point right and and it 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 is redemptive. It's not like it points to something redemptive. It enacts something redemptive. Yeah. Like it, it, it helps somebody else out of the emptiness and desolation of a life that's been filled with tragedy. So I, I just find that very interesting in the text. God's not present in the, the text itself, but the people of God who embody God and mirror God's character are the ones doing, you know, sort of the redemptive work in the text. Um, yeah. And that word redemption is actually used to describe Boaz's role, right? It's called like a kinsman redeemer. Yeah. Uh, right. what, what is that exactly? Like, what's the tradition there? Because it's, it's, yeah. it, we have to keep in mind that like, it, people would have arranged marriages back in the day, <laughs> like that, it's like, common for a human history, right. people marrying within their own tribes, uh, in their own geographies. Um, so like, we have to like, kind of strip our cultural lens. It's not like there was a dating app. Ruth went yeah, off, sure. found Boaz, yeah. swiped left, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's rich now. Exactly. <laughs> that wasn't happening. That's right. That wasn't happening. Yeah. Uh, the the idea of a kinsman redeemer. So kinsman is like a relative, right? And a redeemer is someone who brings you out of some sort of buys you back from some sort of um, poor circumstance. So um, there is kind of a tradition in the Hebrew the Hebrew torah the hebrew law and the instructions they were given that if uh if a woman loses her attachment to the patriarchal umbrella you know so if she loses a husband um in those days unfortunately you know thank god it's not the way it is now but in those days unfortunately um if the woman lost attachment to uh, her husband or the patriarchy she was exposed to all sorts of dangers and and it was very likely that they'd um, become poverty stricken or they'd be exposed or exploited by the systems of patriarchy then. So 
um, in order to sort of redeem the woman from that situation, um, one of the other relatives, um, brothers or fathers or some other figure, other male figure in the society would, or in the family, would um, marry them to bring them under the umbrella and the protection of the family. Yeah, this is um, where Jesus, uh, when Jesus is asked by, I think, the Sadducees or Pharisees, the Sadducees, um, if someone goes through the cycle a few times, who who is this person mm -hmm. married to in heaven and then jesus said like you guys don't know <laughs> the scriptures yeah or, or the or the resurrection really because yeah. there's going to be no marriage in heaven yeah yeah. But, like that's how he gets around that but it's it's connected to this the system that the sadducees are kind of like they don't buy into it but they're asking jesus about it yeah they're just kind of teasing and trolling him yeah it's like yeah yeah and so that that is the process by which naomi and ruth are enfolded into uh, a security system with Boaz being the husband who takes Ruth and brings her into the family. And it hinges on, on Ruth being a woman of noble character, uh, which is a word in Hebrew that's used also in Proverbs when Proverbs reflects on a woman of good character. So Ruth is held up as this model of character. And, and even though she's a Moabite woman and an outsider, she's held up as this um, ethical a uh, strong, faithful woman. Um, yeah, and there's an interesting point here where, where it kind of shows you that this isn't, isn't just like a transaction, but there is a sense of love here mm -hmm. because there's another person uh, next in line before Boaz and Boaz mm -hmm. meets with him to fight to get Ruth. So there is a mm -hmm. sense of like Boaz really wants her. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, that's really beautiful it, it, from a romantic narrative. Yeah, um, it's not yeah. just simply, um, oh, it's my obligation. I, yeah. I, I want to make sure I, I do this for you because I, I care. Yeah, I think another interesting thing to do with Ruth is to read it canonically. And so that means you read it in light of the books that come before it and after it. So uh, if you read Ruth uh, as it is in the canon right after Judges, Judges leaves you feeling pretty dirty. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the whole land, right? The whole land is just devastated by corruption and violence, famine, violence and death and tribalism. Um, and now you hear in contrast, oh, and by the way, in Judges, it's Israelites doing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And now in, in Ruth, you have uh, a Moabite woman held up as a sort of model of character and, mm -hmm. and, um, she shows uh, the word, I think the word chesed is used. It's the word that's given to God's faithfulness. Yep. Um, when, he, when he has a covenant for his people, he shows chesed, loving faithfulness, like fidelity. He's always going to be there with them. And Ruth, a Moabite woman, is the one who embodies that kind of chesed and faithfulness to Naomi and to her people, um, her family. So uh, in many ways, it's kind of like a, it's like, toying with the idea of Israel as a select people here <laughs> because yeah, yeah. here's a Moabite woman putting to shame the whole narrative of judges and saying oh I can I can do it much better yeah and, and then canonically again that's the family from which David comes and Samuel yeah so then they have Obed then they have Jesse and then they have David so mm -hmm. like pe people don't realize how like the the character that noble character is literally like being cultivated generation after generation to this mm -hmm. shepherd boy mm -hmm. who who who's not separated from this line like i think we the, the scriptures are very clear we shouldn't be thinking very individualistic mm -hmm. there's a spiritual link 
four generations of this noble character, this faithfulness, mm-hmm. this trust, this character um, being passed on to David. Mm-hmm. He, David wasn't born in a vacuum. Um, right. He came from somewhere. Right. And they're in Bethlehem, which is, again, David's city. House of bread. Oh. Yes. Right. Yeah, Bethlehem. <laughs> House of bread. I love it. Yeah. Uh, the Lavash factory. Lavash town. <laughs> uh, so if you were going to preach on Ruth, how, what, what would you, how would you preach on it? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd probably tell it as the story. I don't think I would do chapter by chapter. I think I might tell the whole story as a way of uh, setting up um, almost uh, the way the Christian community is meant to reflect the character of Jesus um, and, and the character of God um, and how often the mundane things of life that we're doing are uh, unexpectedly redemptive for the people that we come across when we show God's character to others. So I think that would probably be the direction I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, I mean, normally people because the word redeemer is kind of used for Boaz. They usually make him the Christ figure. So Christ is our redeemer who frees us from the change of Satan, sin, and death. So they kind of make that theme. I mean, I've preached on that. I have nothing wrong with that. Um, And that whole uh, aspect of God rescuing his church, his bride, Mm. saving us from this destructive world to... um, uh, eternal blessing is is there um mm-hmm. in the narrative um but the book of ruth doesn't really get much attention except like i remember seeing a meme i'm pulling it up right now <laughs> like uh oh, i remember that like yeah like all of a sudden this meme went viral i think like a youth pastor might have put it up or a, i don't know where it came from originally uh but yeah, yeah like there's this meme passing along among christian circles a few years back um and I'm going to read Dating it. advice from the book of Ruth. Right? Dating advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes to all the girls who are in a hurry to have a boyfriend or get married, a piece of biblical advice. Ruth patiently waited for her mate Boaz. While you're waiting on your Boaz, don't settle for any of his relatives. Broke ass, poor ass, lion ass, cheating ass, dumb ass, drunk ass, cheap ass, stupid ass, crazy ass, good for nothing ass, trifling ass, lazy ass, and especially his third cousin beating your ass. <laughs> Wait for your Boaz and make sure he respects your ass. There you go. I love it. That's a great meme. Yeah. So Yeah, that did make the circle. That was like out in <laughs> I want to say like three or four years ago. That was circling around. Christian circles. Christian circles. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that uh it is for some reason, uh it is like a a common book among like uh young christian circles and like dating advice yeah. which is kind of strange when you think about it because they're very like rudimentary like ancient practices like we don't hang out in people's fields waiting to be swooped up as a spouse you know so it is kind of strange to to treat the book as like a dating, dating book, advice yeah. or relationship advice i mean it, it is a little strange that but I get the principle behind um, it in some ways. Yeah, um, I, I think I think just the, the 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 for me the what surprises me is the fact that she's a Moabite and God's heart for hmm. people who you least expect, like a, a Gentile poor woman. No, this is God's beloved 
yeah. person to use in the, the line of David and the line of Jesus. That's, right. that's, that's amazing. She's a crucial player in the story that God is yeah. telling, right? Yeah. And like, there's a proverb about like a noble wife is like the backbone of the mm. family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though like the Old Testament doesn't really highlight women, it's like assume they're the backbone of family life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's important to just praise that, you know, like they, they sustain families through generations, the, the nobleness of women the the ability to serve and to give life and um that's pretty amazing like i think uh, there's a i think there's i'm trying to think of where i've heard ruth preached or taught and the only place i can think of is i think beth moore had like a series on ruth that she did that was famous um and honestly i don't know anybody else who's preached on it so yeah, maybe I, this I, is a challenge out there to preachers. If you're listening and you're a preacher, maybe go back and revisit. I I preached on Ruth early on, uh, probably its first year of my job, where my at the when I first started working at my church over seven years ago, I, I used it through the summer. I preached through the whole book, hmm. and the reason I picked it was because my uh, audience at the time was predominantly elderly widows, whether they never hmm. were married, um, they uh, were divorced or or they were uh, uh, widowed. Um, mm. So it re- I think I was like, I was looking for a book, wh- where, where can my audience relate to someone in the scriptures? And again, all of them are like not poor, they are all independent, they're financially secure, thank God for that. Yeah. But it, it did resonate. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think it's important to have it in the scriptures and use yeah. because we sometimes we ignore, we talk about how we should take care of the poor, but what happens if you are the poor in the, um, or what what happens if you are struggling like right, right. Where, where could ruth be used you know and and i also like the fact that the way the story is crafted everybody is interconnected and reliant on one another right um even though she's an other even though she's an outsider um she's very much uh intertwined with Naomi and intertwined with Israel's story now and so how she becomes a part of that also how um, she influences the story and impacts the story so there's a whole network of relationships that take place that sustain the two of them but also that change the way the story takes off because they're faithful because they actually enact the the wisdom of God that's in the Torah and the Old Testament so yeah, it's an interesting story. It's an interesting book. It's not given much attention. Um, there's some like confusion about what to call it in terms of a genre. I think a lot of people have trouble classifying it as a genre. And some people suggest it's kind of like a short story. Um, kind of like in Genesis, you have the story of Joseph. And uh, in Judges, you have that long story of Samson and uh, Gideon this is kind of maybe a short story that's not plugged into any of those books and kind of yeah. free-formed so it's uh it, it could be that but it is just kind of good narrative storytelling it's a, yeah. it's a good story it, to be told and remember it, what God it, is doing under the radar and it plays a pivotal role as a historical right. narrative of scripture from right. the period of these clannish tribes to a kingdom so right. it, and it gives a hopeful take of what was really gruesome previous episode on judges yeah i guess that's a good way to frame it right like canonically 
while judges paints the picture of sort of mass destruction and death under the radar there's small pockets of faithful people who end up transforming israel into something yeah it's like redemptive it's like that decade after the great depression <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah we're getting out of the depression everyone here's a hopeful story and we're gonna yeah, yeah, now yeah. thrive uh, yeah exactly yeah yeah and then just one last thing is that this is so from joshua all the way to the end of kings it's what a lot of scholars call the deuteronomistic history and so deuteronomy casts a sort of direction of blessing comes with obedience and curse comes with disobedience and so there's a solid history that tracks the blessing associated with obedience and the curse associated with disobedience from judges all the way through to second kings it becomes very like mechanical in first and second kings um but here early on it's still very narrative and there's stories and it tells a sort of um yeah, story of blessing and curse throughout. So, but um, yeah, we're part of that section of scripture yep. that sort of tracks that trajectory. Yep. Anything else, final thoughts? Because I think we covered four chapters. Usually we have like 30 chapters to work with, but we just yeah, have four no, chapters here, which I think I is think a good thing because we can get yeah. more in detail. We just... Yeah, when we get to the New Testament, we're going to have some books that are just a chapter. So. Like Philemon, like, hey, yeah. Yeah. Third John, we're going to do a whole yeah. episode on Third John. Are we going to yeah, do that? Yeah, it'll just be like, a we'll quick read five it. Minute episode. We'll read it out loud. Yeah. We'll go through. Yeah, the there you book. go. We'll just read it. We'll read third John, or we're gonna um, lump first, second, and third John together. We could. We'll have to. We'll have to explore that when we get there. We'll we'll get there when we get there. But we did four chapters of Ruth, and it's important. I'm glad there is a woman named after a book of the Bible, especially in that time period. Yeah, uh, I think it's great. An outsider. These are all great stuff. Um, mm. And more importantly, it's a pragmatic understanding of. King David not being born in a vacuum, but coming from this narrative of, yeah. of rags and to riches. <laughs> right, right, um, right. So thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Christ and Coffee. Uh, please read Ruth to your, by yourself. It's four chapters long. You could do it. Uh, just don't take our word. Read it. the word. Ask, invite the Holy Spirit to help you read it. And uh, if you have any comments, questions, please feel free to reach out in the comment section or message us. Uh, you can listen to the Christ and Coffee podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. We're trying to make this conversation available and a platform that is convenient for you. Uh, we are super grateful for all those who are listening and joining us. So thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Have a blessed week. Stay caffeinated, my friends. Oh.